Quick content warning, we do mention sexual assault written in books in this episode, so please listen with care. Hi, and welcome to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are queer to answer your questions. My name is Cheyenne. And I'm Gina. And class is now in session. We have another guest with us today, Nina Haynes. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Let them know what you're all about. Hi, everyone. I am Nina Haynes. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a bisexual Libra who is a writer, founder of Safflet, a sapphic book club. And I'm also a content creator and freelance marketer. Okay. Love, I, I, always I feel like we always Libras. have Libras. Yeah. We like, I, I feel like we've had so I'm many Libra Libras. Well. <laughs> yeah. Love. Yeah. I we love to talk air signs. So I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your queer journey and kind of uh, how you came to identify the way that you do or you're coming yeah. out? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I feel like I've known I was queer since I was probably. I'd say like 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when I was introduced to Game of Thrones and Mm -hmm. lesbian sex scenes for the first time. (laughs) And though it was written and directed by a man, my little 16-year-old brain was very titillated by Amelia Clark. And I never looked back. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also introduced to like Tumblr queerness. Um, Mm -hmm. I ran Mm -hmm. a One Direction Tumblr back in 2012. All those bitches are gay now. I will, in this thesis, I will. Um, (laughs) And I also grew up um, very religious. I went to church Mm -hmm. about three times a week. I was a part of our church youth group very actively. I went on four mission trips, um, two to New Orleans and two to a monastery in the south of France. Mm -hmm. So I was very much in the church um, culture. And while my church was pretty accepting of queer people. Um, Our priest has two trans daughters. Um, We, uh, the uh, church that I was a part of, uh, you're allowed to get married and have children as priests. And, you know, there are lots of queer flags flying on Episcopalian churches around the country, Mm -hmm. which is great, but it was still a Catholic religion and likely kept me in the closet until I was in my late teens, early 20s uh, when I moved to New York at 17 and became a gender and sexuality studies major at Mm -hmm. NYU. Yeah. Um, and I entered that Canon program. Event. Yeah. Yeah. I entered that program thinking I was a straight girl, left that program proud <laughs> bisexual, and I ended my college relationship of three years with a man and really started to date queer people for the first time. And then I came out in pride of 2020 because I really wanted to post on Instagram about how much I think girls are pretty. And my friend was like, wait, Nina, you should probably like tell your parents before you post. (laughs) And I was like, do I have to? Um, you're like, they'll see it. Yeah, they'll see it. Comment and be like, oh no. (laughs) Um, but I think I really, as a gender and sexuality studies major, over intellect over intellectualized the coming out process a lot as I understood coming out as 
then my parents know how I like to have sex. And then my parents know more about my dating history than they would if I didn't have to come out at all as a straight person. And I didn't talk about dating with my parents. I still largely don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and part of the reason that I'm now dating the love of my life, which is really nice. Um, And I don't have to talk about actively dating and, you know, apps and Mm -hmm. expectations of when are you going to find someone kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I was living with them for the first few months of the pandemic and I was out with all my friends and, you know, had a really wonderful queer community in New York um, up until that point. And I just found myself kind of holding back um, the natural reactions that I would have and the natural behaviors that I would exhibit that feel comfortable to me as a queer person and Mm -hmm. how I dress, how I talk, the content that I watch, the content that I talk about. Um, what I post on social media. And I just felt I was more under, I was more surveyed by my parents. And I kind of was just back in the closet. My parents are really accepting, mm-hmm. lovely people that it was not mm-hmm. any kind of issue. I'm very lucky in that regard. But yeah. my, my mom thinks that A and LGBTQIA stands for ally. Like she is, she's <laughs> gung ho for the gays and we love that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely, um, to my own detriment, didn't get the support that I. Uh, deserved or um, as early as I know it that I could have because I was you know just not wanting to have that conversation um, mm-hmm. and it also, to me just wasn't that big of a deal I wasn't in a relationship with someone that was also a queer person I was single and dating and I just didn't feel the need um, but COVID was really like well you better tell them now <laughs> um, and since then I've been be gay do crime on the internet yeah seven yeah and Safflet was born pretty soon after that I feel like I relate so much to the queer journey that you just described like I felt like I just was posting stuff on Instagram and I was like why do I need to tell my parents who I'm having sex with like that's so intimate and it's mm-hmm. not like I was hiding something it was like but I wouldn't tell them this if I if they weren't I don't know if it wasn't this thing yeah and then at some point, the stuff on my Instagram kind of like, I don't know, kind of like slapped them in the face with it. And I feel like I was very much in a space of, oh, I don't need to tell them. Like, we can just like live in a space where they figure it out. And then eventually I'll bring somebody home and that'll be that. But they were very much like, I think they felt like a little like not clued in in a way. Yeah which I don't know. I see both sides of the argument. Like I get wanting to be clued in. I get being like, that's such a like intimate thing. Um, there's something else I was going to say that I related to, but now I forget, but so yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it was like a, very paralleled. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I got that so much. And I feel like I was kind of put in this like double-edged sword of bisexuality where, um, I could, you know, only share, I could share parts of my dating experience that were um, mm-hmm. great passing, but at the same time, my bisexual identity was then rendered invisible because I was only sharing a part of me. And that is, you know, one of the reasons why bisexual people largely don't come out because it's, I mean, it's not 50-50, but like for sake of turn of phrase, it's like, chance you end up with someone that you're is going to make you have to come out Mm -hmm. um right 50% you can just kind of like go with the flow and not have to deal with it um and I was kind of in that 
camp where I was just like, I'm not going to talk about it until it matters. And mm-hmm. when, um, you know, it was June 2020 and pride and the pandemic. And it was such, it was something that I really wanted to lend my voice to on social media. And that was what made me really just be like, all right, I'm your bisexual dream girl. And (laughs) parents just have to know that. And then I'll press post. So I literally FaceTimed them and I was like, hey, so (laughs) Um, I'm bisexual and we're not going to talk about it and I don't have <laughs> any questions and I just need you to know that. So bye. And I hung up. Oh my so God. I love that. And to my, my older brother, I texted him and I was like, you know, I'm bisexual, right? And he was like, no, but I love mm-hmm. you. And I was like, cool. Let me <laughs> bye. Um, so that was kind of the nature of it. I'm very lucky that that was my coming out experience that I could mm-hmm. just be like, this is what it yeah. is. It's not a conversation that I want to have. Naturally, my mom called me back after and was like, <laughs> so when did you know? Are you dating anyone? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, no, I'm not. I told you no questions. It's yeah. It's, it's, it is. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Yeah. I don't ask about that your sex dumb. life. Don't ask about my sex life, my dating, my situationships. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, but, right. That was the other parallels too, was like, I, my parents, it's like they weren't supportive or I thought it wouldn't like go well. It was just like, okay, but it's up to me to talk about it. And it just seems easier Mm -hmm. if there's somebody rather than Mm -hmm. just this like overarching thing. But I also like hit the ground running. Like then I moved, I was like, oh, I'm gay. And I'm also moving to Arizona. Bye. And then (laughs) I moved out and then I started dating like a woman and it was just like a whole thing from there. I love that. Like with my um, extended family, I don't have a relationship with my mom's side of the family, but they Mm -hmm. continually stalk me on social media. So Mm, hey besties, if you're listening, (laughs) Um, but it was you know, I'm very glad that I didn't, that my mom protected me from the words that they were throwing around, you know, when I did eventually come out, uh, because that is a whole schmadre that I didn't want to get involved in at all. Um, but yeah, they already thought I was very outspoken and unladylike and Mm anti-American on social media. (laughs) before I came out and then after I came out and started Saflid and started posting on TikTok and started getting a following like I'm just gonna keep on going baby you're not gonna stop me yeah um, <laughs> and yeah I like fully after I came out my grandmother sent me an email that was interesting and wow. like full, like Mother Teresa quote and mm-hmm. um it, it was how she was showing her love, but it's not how I was receiving love. Mm. And I kind of just told her to fuck off. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's been a privilege to choose the people that I let into my life since then. Um, and that was like one of the big lessons for me coming out was, and I, I just read um, Queer Palestine and the Empire of Critique by Syed Achan uh, for Saflit. And uh in the book, he talks about how in Arabic, the the terms that they use for coming out, they use the term closet, but instead of coming out of the closet, they invite others into oh, the closet. Like and, that. Uh, you know, and that's necessary for the safety um, of queer Palestinians in the homophobic uh, culture in which they live. But I, I love that 
thinking because it's telling someone I trust you enough to know this part of me Mm -hmm. and um that was how I operated until I came out on the internet was like Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna start assembling my queer chosen family invite these people into this part of myself and I built such a gorgeous gorgeous chosen family from that and anyone else you're getting kicked out of the closet like you (laughs) right it's shut in your face Um, (laughs) you're not invited to Narnia no period (laughs) yeah and I also feel like that's like a great metaphor and it's almost like you invite people into your closet until the point of your closet being so full or so expanded that eventually like turns inside out and like that's like the coming out aspect almost is like you invite people into the point where you can like invite the rest of the world almost yeah yeah exactly and that is that is your world is Mm -hmm. that safe place that you've created for yourself I love that yeah have you read hijab uh butch blues by Lamia H I have and I interviewed them for (gasps) that's cool it's on youtube YouTube youtube.com at saflit has all of our author interviews and Lamia was oh my god I love them so, yeah. so so much um it was such a pleasure to speak with them about hijab butch blues and just hearing directly from mm-hmm. their what their experience was and having that whole conversation um with the saf ladies um on the zoom it was oh my god just i i love 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 that book i it was one of the ones that i annotated so so heavily and one of the things that Lamia and I bonded over was the religious trauma affecting Mm -hmm. how you come out and the way that book is structured to the Quran I mean the Quran and the Bible yes one of the same really right um same with the Torah um it's just so it's so interesting to see how these stories affect you so deeply Mm-hmm. And I loved like the queer feminist interpretation of the stories and oh, yes. perspectives. Mary is a lesbian. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're all gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like so many of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so pivoting to the uh, book club, how did you start Safflet? What made you decide to start that? Yeah. So it was... May 2021. We are over two and a half now. It was like very peak pandemic still. Um, I was working from home fully remote and I had just started a new job that I felt very unseen and unsupported in my queer identity. Mm-hmm. And I was very much missing my IRL queer community. And I started posting on TikTok a lot, um, the books that I was reading, because that's how that was like my chosen escapism for 2020 Mm -hmm. pandemic version before it was like animal crossing. And then it was like knitting the Harry Styles sweater. (laughs) It was like everything (laughs) I could get my hands on. Um, So I was just posting about what I was reading on social media and, you know, started gaining quite a bit of a following quite quickly because book talk was just starting to explode. And I was talking about you know, the queer fiction and nonfiction that I was really, really interested in as a gender and sexuality studies major, as a bisexual woman living in Brooklyn and, you know, reading mm-hmm. Audre Lorde, Eileen Miles, Tori Peters, Bell Hooks. And I was mm-hmm. sharing things that 
at the time weren't really prolific on book talk. You know, it was all Colleen Hoover and <laughs> yes, Devin <laughs> Spins of Evelyn Hugo and Song of Achilles, which like we love those queer books, but like I was mm-hmm. like Let's go a little little further, yeah. Um, and so, someone commented on one of my videos can we start a book club I think their name is Spencer I've since sent them a ton of books as like a thank you Aww. um Aww. because Safflid would not exist exist without that comment and so you know when I hyperfixate on something it's all I can focus on and all I will direct my energy towards um mm-hmm. as a neurodivergent girly pop and I um Safflid was you know, it existed three hours later. We had our Geneva home. I posted about it on TikTok a bunch. I shared it to my Instagram. And within 24 hours, we had 50 members. Within a few days, there were like 200. And then wow. weeks, we were already moving up towards a thousand. And mm-hmm. now we have over 8,000 members from over wow. countries around the world. And wow, it that's is awesome. It is non biased at all. The most wholesome. <laughs> internet I just I have like our I have a desktop uh, monitor and I just have it open on there all the time and it's just the sweetest little community that's not so little anymore um but we had our zoom chat right before I hopped on this podcast about queer Palestine and in a few weeks we're talking about kiss her once for me by Alison Cochran um but for about two years, we read two books a month, a fiction and a nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And um, that was becoming a bit unsustainable for me, one person operating mm-hmm. the whole big. Um, so now we alternate yeah. between fiction and nonfiction um, every other month and read one book. But it's great. We host author interviews and Zoom chats about mm-hmm. every book. And sometimes we do in-person meetups in New York. Um, but it's it's so much fun. I love it. That's cool. If Gina moves to New York soon, I'm going to come visit. <laughs> I'll be and we'll, there. Yeah, we'll come. That would be so cool. So <laughs> we did like a queer books episode and I pulled some questions that we got from that because I'd love to hear um, your opinion on these things. So one of them was, do you think that LGBTQ plus should be its own genre? Um. No, I don't think that it's a genre. I think that's reductive um, Mm -hmm. that LGBTQ voices are genre expansive. Mm -hmm. And I think that I absolutely want, you know, LGBTQ books to have their own section in bookstores so people of those identities can find those books easily. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of want to covertly put queer stories in the hands of straight people Right. Uh, so they can stop being assholes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, that's when you go to a bookstore like, and there's like one little shelf for like the queer yeah. books. And it's yeah, like, like, I don't think it's because they're spread out, but like, yeah. it's like, hard I to feel nice about online shopping because mm-hmm. if you just put in tags over like mm-hmm. sections, like a book could have a bunch of tags. So somebody could be looking up thriller and they don't realize that the thriller also has an LGBTQ tag. And then that's how they stumble upon it, which I am absolutely not advocating for like online over bookstores. That is so mm-hmm. not what I'm saying, but that's like one system that I think can work. And I don't know, I don't know the best like layout for a bookstore in that case. Yeah. Right? I mean, I love like one of my favorite bookstores in New York is McNally Jackson, which is a larger 
small business chain. Like it's not like a Barnes and Noble, but it's not like a single independent bookstore. They have several stores around the city and they organize it by author country of origin. So there's American fiction, um, British fiction, French fiction, and it's a lot of translated works. um, And they do it like A to Z by that fiction genre. And then they have, you know, essays and other nonfiction ways to separate out like memoir and biography. Um, And then in nonfiction, they also have like gender and sexuality studies and queer theory and um, cultural studies and race studies and things like that separated out, but their fiction is all integrated. And I, I personally love that because it's, you will find queer fiction throughout those shelves. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not separated out and singled out like that, unless there's, you know, kind of like pride display, which mm-hmm. I love as well. Yeah. 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 It would be cool if they had like a constant um, pride display that like alternated and then also like spread the queer books out into the different yeah. sections in the store. If anyone has a bookstore and you're listening to this, um, that might be a cool idea <laughs> Idea for you. Yeah. I, I, I think My organization sister- of books is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. My sister is a straight woman and she is she runs like a bookstagram and all of that and she actually recommended different queer books to me just because Mm. she was kind of like a rom-com's a rom-com and I'm gonna read a rom-com and I'm like Mm -hmm. okay respect and she's like you're gonna like these ones and so I know like Evelyn Hugo was all over TikTok and book talk and whatever but I actually didn't think I'd like it until my sister was like no read it and I was mm-hmm. like, why? She's like, it's gay. You'll like it. I was like, okay, okay. So you sold good. me already. Yeah. 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 I had my mom read it. I had my girlfriend's mom and sister read it. Like, it's it's a good story. And that's a perfect perfect example of, like, a covert gay book. Because you look mm-hmm. at the title, and it's, like, the seven husbands of Evelyn mm-hmm. Hugo. And you're like, oh, my God. And then, bam, bisexual mm-hmm. icon. We love yeah. her. And then I'm crying yeah. my eyes out over the Oh, story. yeah. yeah. Crying my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Since we're talking about like the straight voices, some, you know, in, in books and everything, is there things that you think straight authors get wrong in writing queer stories? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, okay. So first of all, I think that speculating on an author's sexuality is wrong and detrimental like it's kind of um like speculating on a celebrity's sexuality and accusing them of queer baiting i personally just don't think queer baiting exists like i just i think that's a i i had a long conversation with um an author i interviewed about that and i think it's it's just unnecessary and authors and celebrities don't necessarily owe us a coming out Unless they're, you know, claiming to be an authority in the space. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, what the fuck are you doing? But an author that I personally haven't enjoyed their representations of bisexuality, that I don't know what their sexuality is, but hasn't said anything, is Sally Rooney. Okay. Um, uh, Normal people, Sally Rooney, right? I have that on my list. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Um, Specifically, Conversations with Friends and Beautiful World, Where Are You? Um, She has bisexual characters, and especially in Normal People as well, with, like, the representation of kink and BDSM. Um, Mm. 
and just generally how she speaks about <laughs> bodies and mental health. Um, mm-hmm. Really just not a fan. Yeah. Um, okay. And I spoke, I've spoken a lot about it on my own personal TikTok. And then people were like, you need to shut the fuck up about talking about Sally Rooney. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm no, tired no. of you guys. So fine. So it's been a very long time since I've read the books, but I I just remember getting a really icky feeling about you know, these bisexual women who I feel like she portrayed it as like this quirky characteristic of them where it's like, mm, like panic, manic pixie dream girl, yeah, like very manic pixie and very yeah. much like, oh, I'm using this to like get the attention of men who are going to mentally ruin my life. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's my controversial opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read any of her books because I kind of see her in, like, the same vein as, like, Colleen Hoover kind of books. And Yeah, you don't have to read them. They're really boring. You're kind of making me want to read, though, because I kind of want to, like, see where you're coming from. In the discourse. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think also with – there's a lot of straight women writing gay men in, like, a fetishizing Mm -hmm. way and gay women writing gay men in a fetishizing way, Mm -hmm. which I think – people need to examine and talk about a bit more Mm -hmm. um but then also like people write whatever they want and you can read it or not read it and that's just Mm -hmm. not my business yeah (laughs) um so another one of the questions is bad representation better than no representation in your Mm -hmm. opinion like is it better to have more queer Mm -hmm. stories yeah I I feel like that's um that kind of ties into the question of the question of straight people mm-hmm. writing stories um and similarly like white authors writing yeah you know, people of color people stories of color, yeah characters, characters of color um and this is a debate that I get into I've gotten into with my dad twice now that is just it's like one of those like things mm-hmm. like he, he just does it to get a rise out of me I I think um but he's like people should be able to write whatever they want but then for me, I'm like, yeah, sure, write whatever you want. But I think that the attention and representation and um, dollars should go to people who actually are of the identity of those stories being told. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a, a good example of this was that that white lady who wrote that book on race, White Fragility, Oh, uh, Robin. Yeah, Robin something or other. Um, And she is writing this book on, she's profiting off of Black Mama as a white woman. And I didn't read the book. I'm sure that there's probably some merit in it, but I, I read it. It's it's okay. I don't think you could you you absolutely can't take that book and be like, I did my homework. I read it because <laughs> it's one perspective. My yeah. only argument is like, I do think that as white people, we should be educating other white people, but you shouldn't be writing this book and being like, I solved racism. Everybody read my book. I did it. Like, <laughs> I think she really took a great concept and ran somewhere with it that I wouldn't have ran but I think it's okay if you're reading a lot of different like 
social justice books, I think it's okay to be on your list, but it's, it can't yeah. be, it, don't start there first of all, well, and don't end there. And then I, but then I also feel uncomfortable that she's profiting off of like yeah. sale of this book in a time mm-hmm. when that's when white people are looking for ways to unlearn their internalized racism. Fully. Um, so that like, that's a kind of example that, you know, doesn't sit uber well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you know, also there are all of these like historically like these movies, for example, of or, or books. I I'm like failing to come up with one exactly. Okay. But, like, like these stories of former slaves or slaves in you know colonial America, and they're written mm-hmm. by white people, mm-hmm. and it provides such a narrow understanding of the subject matter and of the feelings of the character that sure like the story might be great and you'll sell books and whatever but you're still profiting off of things that you have benefited from benefited from and trauma that Mm -hmm. you've benefited from as a white person and I personally I know this isn't realistic but I think that if an author is taking a story that is of an identity that is an oppressed identity that they do not share or understand or have a relation to then you should take some of that profit that you're making from that book and donate it to benefit mm-hmm. the uh communities that you are representing in that story and then i also like and this is where like my dad and i kind of like brush up against each other i really think that um the stories that should be getting the attention and the recognition are those own voices i just i'm really tired of white people and straight people writing stories about oppression that they will never experience Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that they are getting that attention because of their white privilege and because of their straight privilege and because of their class privilege and that is just how the media world works that's how the publishing world works unfortunately but I think we need to direct our eyes towards um, own voices. That is what I've been trying to do with Safflet since day one, and I love doing it. Um, but it needs we need more. We need more. It's not good enough right now, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think memoirs are great for that because it's like, okay, this is your story. You didn't make it up. You're not taking something else. We're just like hearing your story, and then obviously you gotta like diversify from there. Um, is there, I mean, I think you kind of may have mentioned this in that answer, but is there other characters or representation that makes you upset to see other than a character that's not of the identity, the person writing it or like a story, Um, I should say. I am very tired of authors, especially male authors using sexual assault as a means for, um female empowerment mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. Think I don't that, like reading about it I it's not yeah, fun I think that gratuitous violence of that is really disgusting um I think that Game of Thrones is a really good example of this mm-hmm. like, I read all of Game of Thrones I read all of the books I watched the whole series I think it's a wonderful fantasy world and story but I think that the sexual assault scenes and storylines are wholly unnecessary for mm-hmm. the development especially Sansa and yeah I just not not a fan not to be like yeah um, like I feel like I'm shitting on a lot of 
books and authors right no, now. We asked. Um, we asked. We did ask. We were gonna pivot and question. ask. We had another question. I don't think we really had very many answers for this when we did this one. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know how like many spicy queer books you read, but oh, do you many. have any recommendations for like realistic yeah. slash spicy yes, sexual books? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cute by Meryl Wilsner. So yes. good. Um, the entire Delilah Green doesn't care series. Mm-hmm. The Written in the Stars series by Alexandra Belzer, really, really good. Um, I would say those are probably like my top smutty ones. Oh, 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 Mistakes Were Made by Meryl Wilsner as well. That's like the, that like, one was crazy. One. That was, they were like yeah. fucking 20 pages in and I was like, yeah, immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. Did you read One Last Stop? That one was hot. I feel oh, like that one was like a good spicy one I read. Um, yeah. I love Casey McQuiston. Um, mm-hmm. They're so, so kind. I've been lucky enough to meet them in person several times. Wow. They're just like a delight. And mm-hmm. One Last Stop is mwah, chef's well, I love Cannot that wait one. For the yeah. pairing. I'm so excited for the pairing. I've like DM'd them like, get me an arc, please. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> But to know where yet <laughs> yeah okay any like queer books you think people should read any like favorites from this year that you're like you need to read this <laughs> oh my god yes I have so okay. many um, okay just so we can like po- like pivot to the more okay. positive uh, I'm again gonna pull up my I'm gonna pull up my story graph I use story okay. graph goodreads it is not mm-hmm. owned by amazon it was founded and is owned by a black woman and has yeah. many more incredible stats we love story graph all right <laughs> I loved Old Enough by Haley Jacobson, I think is Mm. one of the best bisexual representations in literature. It is also just a wonderful depiction of how essay is processed. Um, Mm. I love, 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 loved Old Enough. I, to the point where I have the title tattooed on my body. Wow. Um, this comes out next year, but Here for the Wrong Reasons by Lydia Wang and Annabelle Paulson. These authors were friends and then started writing the book together and now are a couple. And it's like wow. a queer retelling of The Bachelor. It's wonderful. Ordinary Girls by Jaquita Diaz. This is a memoir. It is heartbreaking, emotional, Many trigger warnings included here, but it is such a beautiful work of literature. Just absolutely wonderful. Um, Another book that comes out next year, Interesting Facts About Space by Emily Austin. Mm, I have that on my list. She wrote um, Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead. I love that one. And I interviewed her for Safflet. This is her follow-up book. It is so good. It is quirky, funny, laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, I love reading autistic lesbian narrators, apparently. Diquette mm-hmm. um, <laughs> by Jenny Fran Davis. Okay, I read Should that. I read that. And I told her not to read it. Okay. I wasn't uh, sure if I was going to listen or not, That to be fair. But she was saying it because it. I get squirmish around, like, medical things. It was kind of gross. Yeah, yeah, she, no, like, there said is... she read something that was, like, gross that wasn't that gross to me. And I'm not easily grossed out, but that book, multiple times I was like, ugh, I can't. Like, it's... Make sure uh, to do it anyway. I loved it. I if you get very easily squeamish, don't read it because yeah. there's a scene uh that is Is it like she has like a wound or something? Like 
Well, no. But can I just like skim it and still like read yes, the rest yeah. of the book? You, okay. Yes. Then I might give it. I a- feel like it's a big part of the book though. Like I feel like she talks it's, about it's a big book. it's a big scene. Um yeah. that's like a, okay. it's a pivotal kind of like climax of the story, mm-hmm. but you can you could skim over it, I think. You'll get the gist. Um but it's, you have to now you have to read it and just it's like very, say think I more squeamish than I thought I was. I was in the thrift store dressing room trying on clothes with it playing in my ears. And I was just like, if only people knew what I was listening to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the authors I interviewed this past year was Chelsea Summers, who wrote A Certain Hunger. And mm, that's um, your scene in it, but the, it, the, it's not a main part of the story. But A Certain mm-hmm. Hunger is, I think, probably my favorite book of all time. It is really. Just, okay, so. I'm going to add that to my list. And then I also loved The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz. It's a queer thriller. Um, Cleet Cute by Meryl Wilsner. Home Bodies by Tempe Denton Hurst. How Far the Light Reaches by Sabrina Imbler. Zami by Audre Lorde. Um, mm-hmm. Rosewater by Liv Little. A Day of Fallen Samantha Shannon. Hijab Butch Blues by Lemia H. Pretty Baby by Chris Belcher. Night Crawling by Leela Motley. Um, and I feel like that's a good yeah. Like, of the last that's all the my favorite books within the last year that I've read, but like all time faves, Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. That one was so good. I I interviewed Tori Peters, and if you watch an interview, you can see me slowly start to fall in love with her. Um, <laughs> the most eloquent, like her words are just so intentional, and mm-hmm. um, she's so specific in her language in a gorgeous, gorgeous way. She's just a joy to talk to and listen to, and um, yeah, I just wow. I'm just I'm like blushing thinking about it. I'm like, oh my god, I that love her so, so, so Libra of you to say. And Gina also Libra is always like, I have a crush on our past guests. Like she's always like, I like that. Someone will leave and I text Shy and I'm like, they were incredible. I love that. Yeah. Well, I bet you'll do that about me because oh, I'm of sure. Course. <laughs> I've already sent the text. Oh my yeah. god, yeah, the Libra, I'm in. <laughs> Guys, I'm third wheeling right now. Um, okay, so <laughs> what's something you wish you could go back and tell your younger self or tell other people who are just coming out or haven't come out or just figuring things out? Do you have any advice for anyone? The only opinions that matter are the people who stay and who love you through it. Fuck everyone else. Um, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> and there, there is so much joy on the other end of the road, like, when you reach that state of presence and embodiment and comfortability with yourself, it is just the best fucking feeling. I would say like really the opinions of those who love you and stay are really the only ones that matter. And that feeling of presence and embodiment is just like indescribable. And also being gay is so fun. Like we're so yeah and hot and sexy and <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way yeah right? don't be scared it's a, it's great <laughs> on the other side this is so random but I do want to ask okay if you I don't know if you write but like your dream sapphic book like what would it kind of like include like setting plot characters anything like what is your dream story to read so I'm writing it right now and I have some okay. um 
and it is a sapphic summer romance um mm-hmm. partially inspired by taylor swift's folklore mm-hmm. so, <laughs> um i shared some writing of it on my instagram which is mm-hmm. at nina haynes and yeah i am hoping to have a finished manuscript to query um this spring exciting awesome. yeah. yes my uh my last question for you what advice do you have for like young readers getting into sapphic books and then pivot that into where can they get on to your book club if they're interested yes so I would say um find people on the internet who read the books that you already enjoy and are interested in reading and follow them support them and their content and see what books they have to recommend like find that little sapphic book community because the best recommendations i've ever gotten are from queer readers um so go find some queer readers to follow on the internet it's super fun out there you can find Safflet on geneva uh the link to join is in our instagram bio which is at Safflet, and it's also in my tiktok and instagram bio at nina.haynes on both tiktok and instagram yeah all right perfect and then for the podcast you know you can find us anywhere online at sapphic survival guide except for twitter or x which is just at sapphic survival you can send us your questions anywhere there also can send us an email sapphic survival guide at gmail.com send us a voicemail 724-209-8877. If you like us and you want bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash sapphic survival guide. And then you can uh, find me anywhere online at the Lee Regina, including my website, thelebregina.com. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mess Bean on pretty much any social media platform. And with that, class is now dismissed. (laughs) 